Man, so glad to have you guys here. Uh, Again, my name is Scott, and I'm excited to bring the word today as we're continuing along in our series called Ghost Stories. Now, we're not telling scary stories. Um, Sorry if you were looking forward to that. Uh, We're actually talking about the Holy Spirit. We've been doing that for about a month, and we've got another month to go, and I'm so excited. We're midway through, but I just am beginning to feel like we're scratching the surface. We talked about spiritual gifts last week and about how um, we have something sometimes, a gift that God has given us, and we tend to put it on a shelf and kind of like leave it unused and unappreciated, and that's not good for gifts. we got to take it off and get it used. And the week prior to that, we talked about how the Holy Spirit is this power tool. He wants to empower our lives for serving Him, loving Him, being holy, like all of that. God has given us this Holy Spirit to help us do it. And then, uh, so today, I want to talk about one of the gifts of the Spirit, that might be a little bit, you know, in your mind on a spectrum, it's healing. And you know, you know, you could be on this spectrum over here, which is like, God never does it, never will do it. It's something from the past. And then over here on the continuum, you might be like, all the time he heals. And if he doesn't, there's a prescription for it. And if you follow these rules, he can, and he has to, and he wants to, and all that. And so, uh, so what we're going to do is uh, we're going to land where, where the Bible lands. We're going to talk about uh, talk about it from Scripture. So we're going to go to the Word today and uncover what, what God has to say about um, healing, physical healing, but also spiritual and emotional healing together. And let's, let's begin by asking the question. And so, you know, in an honest answer, let me ask the question, how many of you honestly believe that our God has the power to uh, touch a sick body and make it well. Raise your hands if you believe that, if, if that's your conviction, you believe that's okay if you don't, it's no problem. Um, in the New Testament, at least 30 different times, we're made aware of the fact that Jesus healed someone's body physically. Now, you know, you read the Bi- Bible and it's all over the place. In fact, implied within Scripture, there, there are hundreds and maybe hundreds and hundreds of examples of those in Scripture that their blind eyes were opened, their ears uh, were made to heal, here again. Uh, the, the lame were, were made to walk, or those that were uh, dead were risen from the dead. I mean, all kinds of things. We just see miracles over and over again in the New Testament. And so the question is, you know, does God do that? Does he have the power to do that? Does he want to do that today? And I hope to give you some answers to the questions that you might have about it, but also to build your faith in the God who performs uh, healing. So uh, one of my favorite stories is I've been looking into this and preparing for it. And by the way, this message for me was one that drove me to my knees. I, I wasn't expecting that because I kind of thought like theologically I understood healing. And then once I began to think about it and pray about it, I, I really understood that um, there was a lot for me to learn in this, in this regard and a lot for me to put into practice. But one of my favorite stories that I came across in the book of Acts is Paul is preaching this long message And I guess Paul was really long-winded when he was speaking, and uh, the Bible actually literally says he preached on and on into the night. Like, you can be thankful for a pastor that will not do that, right? I'm not going to preach on and on into the night. But there was this poor guy named Eutychus, and he was sitting um, on a windowsill, and he fell asleep. And then he fell out of the window, and and he died. So now, I know I've put people to sleep during my sermons, but I, 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 as far as I know, to the best of my knowledge, nobody has actually ever died. I've never killed anyone with my sermon. So, uh, but the day is young, so we never, you never know. 
But Paul, Paul goes out and he lays hands on Eutychus and, and the guy, he's back to life. Eutychus is, is raised from the dead. So I, I love that story. But I believe that God has the power to heal. John 14, 12, Jesus says to us in, in his word, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing and they will do even greater things, even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. So Jesus is saying that, you know, you've witnessed me do all of these things, healings, deliverances, restorations, uh, all this stuff. And, and the things that I've been doing, you can do as well, but you can do even greater things. And I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm sending a helper to you that can enable you and empower you to do these things. And so uh, Jesus didn't just leave us alone. He left us with the Holy Spirit. And that's why that today as a church, we pray for those that are sick and we pray for miracles from our good God. I remember coming to grips with this for the very first time in my life. I came to Christ uh, in, in high school, and I was in a youth group and didn't know anything about church. I, I shared with you earlier that I was just learning about the Holy Spirit, and we were getting together one day, and somebody asked, is there anyone here that needs prayer for healing? And this, this girl walked forward, and she had always been wearing, like, a body cast. Like, you know, you could tell it was under her shirt, but it was just plastic. You know, she just wore this plastic body cast. And she shared that she had struggled uh, since adolescence with scoliosis. And if you don't know what that is, it's a curvature of the spine. And, uh, and she had had a severe case of it. And she had asked for prayer many times, and, and she was asking for prayer again. She says, I just believe that God can heal me. And I'll never forget, like, one of the guys from the youth group, he got up and he says, no, I believe that God is going to heal you today. And she said, um, okay, you know, I, I accept that. And I, I was like, dude, you know, you just laid it all on the line, right, in front of everybody. You said, God, no, 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 God is going to heal you today. And so all of us began to pray. A couple people laid hands on her, and we just prayed earnestly, fervently for her. God, heal her scoliosis, straighten her spine. And, and as God is my witness, this girl, like halfway through the prayer, she, she said, oh, oh. <laughs> it was like that. And we kind of all were like, oh, oh, did God do something? She's like, I just felt something in my spine. I just felt something. And, and she was joking. Like she was very serious. And, and, and immediately tears began to come. And, and all of us were just like, praise God. Like we couldn't believe what had happened. And she says, I, I think I'm healed. And, uh, but she said, you know, I, I feel, I feel really good. And, and she said, um, she says, I'm supposed to have surgery. So, uh, she went up to a doctor's appointment and came back a couple weeks later and she reported back to us that God had healed her completely. And she was now, she had like grown a couple inches and it was verifiable and the doctors, they didn't understand it. And they could, they were confused. Like how, how could that have happened? And, and we prayed earnestly for her. And, and she was healed. I was rocked. I was incredibly grateful that God could do that for my friend. But let me ask you another question. And this is an honest question. How many of you have prayed for someone to get healed, but it didn't happen? You didn't, for whatever reason, it just the prayer wasn't answered or he didn't do it. Uh, it and, and there's lots of prayers like that. I so I, I also had a sister that had scoliosis. I still have a sister that has scoliosis. And it's a severe case of it. My sister, um, she has metal in her spine. She has got, uh, she's been through multiple surgeries. She has a severe curvature. And, um, and, 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 and I prayed for my sister. I prayed earnestly for her. I, I, I really, pray, I love my sister. You know, she, she gets on my nerves. 
Um, and if you're listening to this on the podcast, Jennifer, I still love you. Um, but, you know, I, but I prayed hard for my sister, and, and, uh, and God didn't heal her. So why did God heal this person in my youth group? But my own sister, he didn't. But I believe in a God who can heal. But sometimes I'm a little confused, especially when I was a new believer. God, you may, you know, if, if my back hurts and, and I need to feel um, relief from it, I've prayed many times, God, help me with my back and I'll feel better. I, I can't explain it. Like God seems to, to heal me in that way. But why then with my sister does she suffer lifelong with scoliosis? 17-year-old dying of brain cancer. God, why? Why would that happen? Why does that happen? And yet, and yet we prayed for this girl in my youth group, and, and she was healed. But a 17-year-old died of brain cancer. Sometimes when you believe that God can, but then he doesn't, it can unsettle you. It can, be, it can shake you. It can rock you a little bit. You know, you, you, can, you can say, God, I knew that you, you could I, I knew that you would, but why does my son still have migraines today? Every day, migraine headaches. I believe that you could, and I prayed for her, but, but Lord, why does my daughter suffer day to day with depression? Why does she still face depression? I knew that you could. God, I prayed and I prayed. Why does, did grandma die? Why did she have to die of cancer? Why did she have to die? I prayed in faith, and I prayed, and I prayed. And a lot of people could conclude that God is not real, or he's not good, or that he doesn't care. But I'm here to tell you that none of those things are true, because according to Scripture, God can heal. But how do we pray, then, if we believe that God can, and we know that he does, and he doesn't always do what we know he could do? or even what we think he should do because we have it in our mind how the outcome would be. And I want to talk to you today in a way that can answer these questions and also build your faith. Build your faith in a God who hears our prayers and does miracles. Now, it may be obvious to you in real life, but not in Scripture, the following statement, and that is on the screen, the words will be up there, our God heals but he doesn't heal everyone all the time. Let me say that again. Our God heals, but he doesn't heal everyone all the time. Now, it may be obvious to you in real life, but not in Scripture that that happens. I want to give you three quick examples in Scripture of where God actually didn't heal somebody. Number one is this guy, Trophimus. Uh, this is one of Paul's friends. He's on a missionary journey, and, uh, and so he's... You know, he's got these two guys, Erastus, and he says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he says, man, my buddy Erastus, he stayed in Corinth, but I left Trophimus. He was sick. I left him in Miletus. So Trophimus was, was sick. He couldn't travel with me. I prayed for his healing, believed God to heal him, but God didn't heal him. He was still sick, so I left him in Miletus. Then there was Timothy himself, Paul's young protege. Timothy had stomach issues, and in 1 Timothy 5, Paul says to this, he gives him a prescription. He says, uh, Timothy, stop drinking only water. He's addressing him. He says, and use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. It's a recurring uh, illness. It's an ongoing diagnosis. And Paul says, you know what you need to do is take care of yourself. Get into bed. Like, you know, take care of yourself. Use whatever you can to make it better. In other words, God could have healed Timothy, but he didn't. 
And then the last example I wanted to share with you really quickly is just Paul himself. We know from Scripture that Paul suffered from what the Bible says is um, a thorn in his flesh. Now, we don't know what that is. You know, some say, speculate, it's spiritual. Others say it was a physical illness. Some say it was an emotional thing. We really don't know. But what we do know is that several times Paul prayed. The Bible uses the word pleading, but a great translation of that word is desperately pleading. He's not just praying. He is desperately pleading. He's like, oh God, would you take this away from me? Lord, would you please take this thorn from me? I'm asking you, I'm begging you, Lord, take it from me. He's pleading, and God said, he said, no, my grace is sufficient for you, and my God is enough for you. His power is made perfect in your weakness. You see, God said to Paul, I can heal you, but I choose not to, to bring glory to the Father through your weakness. Sometimes well-meaning Christians kind of jack this whole thing up. They, they say really hurtful things. They'll come to you, then you'll say, like, I'm praying for my daughter, but she didn't get healed. And somebody might say, you know, and, and they're maybe well-meaning, but they'll say, like, you know, maybe, maybe there's, like, sin in your life. Or maybe, maybe you did something. You didn't tithe enough, or you didn't, you know, didn't give enough. Uh, maybe you didn't pray the prayer correctly. You know, maybe you didn't have enough faith. They say hurtful things, and sometimes well-meaning Christians can, be, can heap guilt and condemnation, and some will be so internally hurt by that that they might even walk away from fellowship with other believers because of it. At the same time, how do we let our faith grow in a God who can heal and a God who wants to heal, but he doesn't heal all the time? Let me give you three reasons in Scripture why Jesus did not do miracles, and in doing so, we're going to find out why he wants to and how he does do miracles. So the first reason that Jesus refused to perform miracles was he refused to perform miracles to prove himself, if you're taking notes, to prove himself. How many of you guys would be like, you know, hey God, um, you know, if you just would do this, fill in the blank, I will serve you for the rest of my life. I will, I'm all in, God, if you just could bail me out of this situation. I'm in a financial mess. God, I can't, I'm I'm just dealing with it at a deep level. God, if you could just bail me out, I would really appreciate it, man. I would serve you for the rest of my life. God's like, "I, I ain't operating that way. And Jesus actually addresses this in Mark 8. A group of Pharisees came to him and they began to question Jesus. So they threw out a test. They said, hey, uh, you know what? You could just give us a sign from heaven. Maybe like writing in the sky or something. Just prove yourself, you know? Jesus sighed deeply. I love the Bible. Just like, wow. Jesus sighed deeply. Oh, man. Really? You guys. And he says, why does this generation, why does this generation ask for a sign? I can give you a sign after sign after sign, physical signs, you still wouldn't believe. Why do you keep asking? Truly, I will tell you, no sign will be given to you. And you know what he did? He just said, I'm going to say goodbye. He left him. He got back into his boat, and he crossed to the other side. See you guys later. No sign today. Sorry. Bye. And Jesus refused to prove himself by miracles. The second thing that Jesus never performed miracles that interfered with God's perfect ultimate plan. If you're taking notes, his perfect ultimate plan. There's a story I love. This is a great story. 
Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? And so he is, uh, he's aching and he's yearning for, uh, for deliverance. And, and he's like, God, if you could just let, let this cup pass from me. But, you know, he, he's, 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 he's in the moment of greatest spiritual anguish. And the guards show up and he, he knows this is it, right? All of a sudden, Peter pops up. And Peter takes a swipe with his sword at this guard. And he cuts off this dude's ear. I mean, you never thought about that? Like, did he, was he aiming for the ear? Probably not. Like, he was probably going to try to kill the guy. And he, like, dude ducked a little bit, and then the sword just cut off his ear, and it flew off. And you know, I don't know if Jesus went over and he picked it up or not, or, you know, like this rubbery thing. And, you know, I, was, I don't know. I, but but you know, Jesus puts his hand on the guy's ear, and, and he heals him. What a miracle, right? But what does he do in that very next moment? It's pretty incredible. Let's look at Matthew 26, 53. The very next moment, Jesus says, Do you think (laughs) that I cannot call on my Father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions? That's thousands of angels. But how then would we, uh, then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen in this way? In other words, I could blow your minds, right? You know, in front of the Romans, in front of everyone, I could just go like this and thousands of angels would show up. Be pretty impressive, right? Man, people will talk about that for days, maybe weeks. But you know what? Jesus had his eyes on you. And the ultimate miracle, which was rescuing you from an eternity without him. And he wanted to know you and he wanted to be with you. And so he went to the cross as a spotless, sinless son of God to fulfill. The Bible says that he was the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. He always wanted to be the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. It was always his plan to die on the cross for you. And he never performed a miracle, although he said, I could. He chose not to. So in one moment, he heals the Roman guard. In the very next moment, he says, I've got to suffer. And he said that, even when the disciples around him were confused, they really didn't fully understand. But if it's going to interfere with God's plan, he's going to withhold the miracle. Number three, if you're taking notes, Jesus didn't perform miracles where there was no faith. He was in his hometown, town of Nazareth, where he was a carpenter's son. And people started saying like, you know, isn't that uh, Joseph and Mary's son, Jesus? Isn't that the guy I went to high school with? I remember him as a teenager. You know, wasn't he the kid that was like pimply-faced guy that used to make, make furniture in his dad's shop? Like, I'm not saying Jesus had pimples, but he was a teenager. I mean, they're a little awkward and lanky, you know? Jesus wasn't like a perfect 13-year-old, right? I mean, he was perfect and sinless, but I mean, he, he was still a thir- uh, 13-year-old. And people were just like, you know, hey, I'm just not buying the whole Jesus thing. And, and because it was his hometown, you know, the Bible says, and I don't really fully understand the theology behind this, but it said he could not do miracles there. And it didn't say he would not. It says he could not do miracles there because of their lack of faith. And so our faith moves the heart of God. Our faith matters to God. There's a couple of different examples of God healing or Jesus healing through faith. And one was the woman who couldn't stop bleeding for 12 years. She struggled with this illness that she was issuing blood. She was in pain constantly, aching. She was embarrassed. She was ceremonially ceremonially unclean, but in faith, she pressed into Jesus and she thought to herself, if I could only just touch the hem of his garment, if I could just touch his clothes and I know I'd be well. And, And she does and Jesus stops and he says, whoa, hang on a second. He looks right at her and there's this 
perfect, compassionate voice, he says to her in Mark 5, daughter, man, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed. Be freed from your suffering. Your faith has healed you. Faith unleashes God's attention. A man with leprosy came to Jesus. He fell at the feet and he worshiped Jesus. And in Luke 17, Jesus said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has restored you. There was a blind man and he's screaming. He says, I can't see. I can't see, but Jesus, I can hear you. I can hear you. Would, you. would you do something for me? Have mercy on me, he says to Jesus. I can't see, but I can hear you. Have mercy on me. And in Mark 10, he calls audibly back to the man who can't see. Then he says, go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. And immediately, he received his sight, and he followed Jesus along the road. An incredible miracle by your faith has healed you. The one thing that we have that amazes Jesus in Scripture is our faith. And it seems to amaze him in two ways. Either he's amazed by the amount of faith we have. He's like, wow, that's awesome. You have faith. Or he's sort of amazed at the lack of faith. You know, it's kind of like, wow, really? That's it's amazing. This Roman centurion has an example of the wow. He's got a servant who's sick, if you know the story. He says, Jesus, I'm a Gentile. I'm not even worthy for you to be in my house, to show up, to see me. I know that you don't even have to be at my house. If you just say the word, my servant will be made well. I just know it. I I trust you. You don't have to see it or touch it. I just believe you say the word. Jesus was amazed. He said, I haven't even seen faith anywhere in Israel like this, that God can heal from a distance, and he did. In his hometown, Nazareth, he was amazed at their lack of faith. Wow, you guys really don't believe at all. But with the centurion, he says, that is amazing faith. I'm curious, as a practical application, what would Jesus be amazed at with your faith or your lack of faith? Um, What were your prayers like this last week? Were they big prayers? Were they... God intervening in my life, bold prayers where you just believed and you knew God had this and you, like, that's Elizabeth's story. She just said, like, I'm going to praise God. I know that God's got me. I'm just going to have big faith. And you know what? God's going, wow, I'm amazed at Elizabeth's faith. Wow. Is that you? Or are you on the other side this last week? Maybe it was like the biggest prayer you prayed was, God bless my food, (laughs) you know, and that was it. And maybe he's amazed at like, wow, you know. What a lack of faith. You're facing this big situation. You need to trust me. You need to trust that I can move, that I can do miracles. What if our faith is on the low end? Um, The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Number one, you have to know the word of God. You have to know the truth. You have to get your head and your heart into the word of God, not just for information, but for transformation. The Bible says that you need faith the size of a mustard seed. I mean, the issue isn't the amount of faith. The issue is who you're placing your faith in. The faith the size of a mustard seed means you need to have faith in a Jesus direction, in a Jesus momentum. Faith in my direction, Jesus says. That's all it takes. All you have to do is trust in me. So this is the story that just blew my heart apart this last week because when I read it, I read it in a different way than I have ever read it before. And it's the story of a dad who comes to Jesus with his sick kid. 
And, and parents, you know, if, you're, if your kids are sick or they're hurting, you would do anything to make that go away. But this, this father had his son was, uh, was being influenced by an evil spirit. Was, this, this outside influence was in his life trying to basically kill his son. You listen to the first uh, words that he says to Jesus. Or rather, that Jesus said to him, how long has he been like this? And then, then the father responded. And you can just hear the aching in his voice. He says, from childhood, Jesus. He's often thrown, uh, th- this, this, this spirit has often thrown him into the fire or the water to kill him. But if you can do anything, please just take pity on us and help us. It's a dad. He's desperate. He comes to Jesus and he says, I don't know, Jesus, can you do something for my boy? I love this kid, but from childhood. I mean, the this, this, this spirit has been tormenting him. He's a broken individual. I mean, this, this, this thing is trying to kill him. It's taking his life. It's destroying our family. My heart breaks. Can you do anything for my boy? A desperate parent. But what the father says next, this is where it meets me powerfully because it captures where I live so much of the time. Jesus says, if, if you can. It's a rhetorical question. Jesus said, everything is possible for one who believes. And these next words are me. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my belief. That's the way I feel so, many, so much of the time. I do believe. But God, help me overcome my belief. I do believe. But help me overcome my unbelief. I believe, I believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. <clears throat> when Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, <coughs> excuse me, come out of him and never enter him again. I do believe, but help me in my unbelief. How many of you guys are like that? You do believe. But yet you need to ask God, and sometimes we need to pray, Jesus, help me to overcome my unbelief. Help me to overcome it. Help me to see it and to compensate for it by you coming in with your Holy Spirit's power to to make up the difference, to close the gap, to to demarginalize my lack of faith so that you bring into me, help me to believe. When you pray and healing doesn't doesn't happen, does it need to rattle you? No. Because your faith isn't based on what God does. Your faith is based on who God is, who God is. Our faith is based on the good news of Jesus, which is this, that although we were yet sinners, we shook our fist at God. We, are, we have sinned against him. We have violated God's law, and there's nothing we can do to make that right or whole again. But Jesus died a sinless life. He died a death on the cross in your place for him. And the greatest miracle of all is that you stand as a believer in Jesus Christ if you are forgiven and set free. That is the biggest miracle, the good news of Jesus Christ. Our faith isn't based on the results of a miracle. It's based on the character and the goodness of God who sacrificed his son. The highest purpose of Jesus coming wasn't to heal our body. It was to heal our soul, to make us right with him, to save us for all eternity so that we can be with the Father. That is the highest purpose of him coming. Now, 
Does he want to heal? Does he often give good gifts to bring himself the glory? Yes, he does. And our faith should increase in understanding who God is in this way as a healer. So great story is Luke chapter 5 when the paralytics being, you know the story, like a bunch of guys get together with their paralytic friend and they really love this guy and they break a hole open in the middle of a Bible study and they start lowering this guy down as Jesus is teaching the Bible and, and, uh, and they, he lands, maybe they drop him and he lands right there by Jesus. And you'd think like, I think if you know the story, right, Jesus just heals him, right? First thing he does is boom, you know, get up and walk. Actually, that's not how it happens. Let me tell you the story from Luke chapter 5. What happens is he, as he's laying there, Jesus looks down at him and says, see something in the guy's eyes, I think. And he says, you know what? Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. And when that happens, all of a sudden, they begin to chatter and they kind of have this internal argument in themselves. Like, who is this guy that can forgive sins? Like, that, that's blasphemy. You can't do that. And Jesus perceived it in them, and he says, hang on a second, guys. I know what you're thinking. He says, you know, you think that I can't forgive sins, but I want to show you that the Son of Man has power to forgive sins on earth, and the reason that I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you something else, and that is what's easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or get up your mat and walk. Take up your mat and walk. That's when he says, at that moment, he says to the guy, okay, take up your mat and walk, and he does. The first thing he does is he forgives the sin the second thing he says is, I want God to get the glory. I, wanna, I, want God, I want you all to know who I am. And so get, pick up your mat and walk. And so he does. What a, what a sight that must have been, right? So this is the story of God, that he is a God interested in healing us in multiple dimensions, sometimes physically, sometimes not, but always desiring to forgive, always desiring to have a relationship with us. That is the amazing good God that we serve. Amen? That's great news.